are live. We are live. Yes, we are. I, f- I don't really listen to the intro. Do we give the date? It's a, no, we don't give the recording okay, date, well, but a, it is episode 66. It is episode 66. We're live at American Top Team Orlando. Home of the tribe. Uh, yeah, tribe martial arts fitness community, I believe the name is. So welcome back, Noah. Thank welcome. you. I'm, I'm, I'm happy you're back. I'm happy we're recording. I hope both of us have had a little bit of a break from jujitsu and everything and, and have refreshed our, our drive to, to go out there and smash and, and do all that. I mean, uh, I definitely felt it on Monday because I came back a, a week ago and uh, even I spoke to David and David was like, oh, I felt a difference. And I know it's just y- your body's certainly fresh. So you're probably just more energetic and uh, my mind was fresh and I was just Grappling a little differently, so it was cool. I, interestingly, since I've had to adjust my schedule a little bit, and I've done a little bit more Muay Thai lately, and, you know, I still do my morning classes, I think Muay Thai makes me grapple differently. Because there's something that I think clicks in my head where it makes it okay to, like, hurt people. Because jujitsu, you don't really ha- have to hurt people, right? You can control them and stuff, but Muay Thai makes you hurt people. Like it's the it's what you're supposed to do. And I mean, also it, it in Muay Thai, I, I heard you're going with an, uh, at least one person that I know that is pretty schizo and hits hard. So it probably triggered you some self defense. Yeah, like you just sort of fight like, or flight. All right, I gotta bit. fight back. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh, so <laughs> Victor told you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Victor did tell me. Yeah, I feel, will, I feel really and, bad and about it. those people remain unnamed. <laughs> yeah, I feel really, really bad about it too. Because like, but it's also one of these things where like, I, because I've done, and maybe this is sort of like the big like St. Bernard syndrome where you don't realize how how big you are. You know, like somebody like Brian McKenzie sort of, he knows Cause at one point he was when he fought at 185, right? So he was a hundred pounds lighter than he is right now. So he's very like, he has a good sense of like body awareness and how much pressure and weight he's putting on somebody when he's grappling them. So like, if he wanted to just like lay on top of you and just like, just engulf you, he could. Right. But like he wants to do jujitsu. So he doesn't. And because I've done, or I did rather Taekwondo for so long before I started doing Muay Thai, like, I think there's oftentimes I forget how hard I kick. And it, it kind of reminds me of when I was training, um, actually, for a smoker between ATT Longwood and ATT Orlando. We were training uh, back when Longwood, actually, they still have that ring. We did a, a big smoker between the two gyms uh, at ATT Longwood. And I was in there sparring with the guys who I was training. And... His name was Jeff Backus and I broke one of his ribs in training and he told me after the fact, because he knew I would pull him from the fight that, uh, I was like, Hey man, like you, you know, you took a couple weeks off, like everything good. And he's like, yeah, actually like you broke one of my ribs and I, I didn't tell you because (laughs) like I knew that you and Joe wouldn't let me fight in, in the smoker if that were the case. So like, I just need to take a couple weeks off. And stuff. I'm like, oh, geez, I didn't realize that. But yeah, that was also kind of just leading back to what Paul was talking about, how back in the day, you 
you basically fought in training, you know, and then it just, it wasn't very smart because we were, we were basically, you know, I, I, I kind of still do it a lot with jujitsu, but like just round robin sparring and just everybody getting a forcing themselves to get a different look and that sort of thing. And, and, but either way, yeah, it was bad. It was like a left middle kick, which is what I dropped that person with today <laughs> or the, uh, on Tuesday. So Chris has still but, got it. No, I just, I just lost my cool, but I, f- <laughs> I felt really bad about it. Cause I, th- I suspect that the person, well, everybody at this gym is basically younger than me aside from like three other people. So, Anybody who's younger than me is automatically a kid, but, <laughs> but yeah, some Muay Thai has been fun. It also, but I tell you what though, man, like it's made my jujitsu a little bit different too. Like just opening up a little bit more, like in the mornings and stuff. But I, I think there's some sort of like click that happens that, that like primal, just like, I don't Something know. goes wrong. Yeah. I can, I can always punch them. You can always punch them, them or club them or just, you know just go a little bit further with each little movement, you know, but so how you, you felt, you feel okay coming back. You feel refreshed. Did you do a bunch of skiing and, and outdooring yourself? So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give a quick outline of that. Um, before we get too far into the podcast, we'd be remiss to not shout out to our sponsor, oh, Crown right. Rash Guards. Yes. Matt Cabrera actually trained in his brand new ranked rash guard. Oh, Using Did he really? promo code BRUISE. So remember, guys, use promo code BRUISE, B-R-E-W-S. Get 20% off your next order with crownrashguard.com. You can find them on their website, www.crownrashguard.com, or Instagram and Facebook, at crownrashguards. If you've ever wanted a durable rash guard that was affordably priced, check them out. And very sharp-looking. Very sharp. sharp. Obviously, Very if you sharp. want, if you want unicorns, if you want strawberries, if you want, you know, Barney or whatever on your on your rash card, they're not going to be doing it. They're not doing flashy designs. It's just a sleek. I just call it the Black Panther look. What what is it? A vibranium. You want the yeah. vibranium look? You got it here. Just so very sharp. Very. So check them out. They're our sponsor. They've been supporting us now for. Uh, this is our tenth episode that they've sponsored us. So. Um, keep checking them out. There's, it's a small business um, jiu-jitsu guy making what we think is a, a solid, durable product for the jiu-jitsu community. So check them out. Again, crownrashguards.com. Promo code BRUCE, 20% off. Um, so for me, I, uh, I actually was lucky enough to ski on my birthday with uh, Victor and Paul, which is a lot of fun. And then I spent another week out there uh, spending some time with my, my parents we rent a cabin out there and it was uh it was good outside of getting sick which sucked and getting sick in the dryness of Colorado and i think my 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 it's respiratory so system and my sinuses have become they probably don't generate any moisture on their own because they just they're used to Florida humidity, <laughs> so when they were forced to do that, I think they struggled. I end up getting um, laryngitis, which is why I have such a baritone voice today. So my very throat, sexy, yeah. So <laughs> ooh yeah. So I am starting. Uh, my vocal cords still haven't uh, come back to normal. Um, I think it's exacerbated in the morning, and we're recording right now in the morning. Um, so yeah. Chris is going to be, 
And I'm not going to be projecting my voice as much. And Chris is going to. What be am I going to? What's it going to take for me to trigger you though? Where you just where you just scream for no reason and get into it? Oh, so. I'm, I'm, I'm no, I'm good. And the thing is, is it's uh, so okay. So the, the the most interesting observation about this whole thing is the first day back Monday after my first class. That was I just was, this past Monday, right? Yeah, I was euphoric for the rest of the day. Nothing special happened in class. I just had a normal class. But I had not exerted myself in jujitsu for like 10 days. And it was like an addict who had not gotten a hit for a little bit. And then suddenly all the dopamine and endorphins and all that started flowing. And, <laughs> and, and I, was, I was euphoric. This is post-training? Post-training. Really? Yeah. I, I went to the supermarket. I was talking to everybody. I was just so happy. I was so content, so you're, satisfied. You were like when... Uh... When Toby McGuire got um, stop the, uh, citing that fucking t- that scene was, where he's like walking through <laughs> Spider Man three, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> was it? Wasn't he affected by the venom at that? Yeah, point? exactly. <laughs> so he's the ultimate endorphins. <laughs> emo. No, so I, I definitely um, the uh, there's definitely a physical component. Like there's something happening in the brain that. And it's, you know, I think it just comes with hard exercise. Did you not get any major physical activity when you were I mean, you I was hiking every resting? day, but there's a difference between hiking and what it's putting, what demands it's putting on your system versus um, jiu-jitsu. There's just something about, especially gi jiu-jitsu, but just everything under tension and the, I, yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just one of those things. Did you hike with your parents or do you just like go off on your own? Like, no, no, no I hike with my parents every day. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so it was good to see them. I'm an only child, so I got pampered a little bit, which was good. You go to Estes Park, right? Correct. Yeah, because that's uh, Cabrera. So yeah, and Cabrera were, was there. I ran met, at Cabrera. You at the at the fucking Shining Hotel. For next door to that, he was he went there to the Stanley. Oh, right. Yeah, and then they went to a uh, a bar. Is it nearby. the Overlook? Is it? No, the the the, the movie is. In the movie, I actually the don't know. I know it's been used in a movie, but I actually yeah. don't know the movie. It's the the Stanley Stephen Hotel, King. right? It's called the Stanley. Yeah, hotel, yeah that's yes. right. And then in the movie, it's called the Overlook. So, it's a it is a creepy hotel. Like I, I I've never say. been in it. Are you really? It's too touristy for you. I've just never been in it, but it definitely looks odd. It looks like this like estate in the middle of a town. Yeah, and like which a is weird. <laughs> that's a we we stayed there when we went to that the Rocky Mountain Park, and like we they have the worst Thai food there. By the way, I'm sure. I mean, it's they terrible. Have, they, they have like, they have like they have. It's like just do what we do. Look, like serve elk burger. Don't yeah. Don't go deli. like well, I don't know what made us decide to get Thai. Let's food. get orange chicken or let's get <laughs> pad Thai. Pad Thai. It was it was horrendous. I'm like this is the worst Cisco food that's been modified. Like well, Cisco Chinese food. Side of things, yeah, exactly. But uh, how many good beers out there? I mean, there are a lot of good beers, but once my throat went south, I, oh, I, yeah. I didn't want to be drinking carbonated beverages. Wouldn't that that would kind of oh yeah yeah that would. Irritate it quite a bit, wouldn't it? Irritants for the throat, bro. Yeah. One one cool thing of I just remember because so like I get super like as you all know when I get a little tipsy, get the redness, the shortness of breath, and all that, right? Like there's something about the altitude that like I that's just how I handle alcohol. And then when we went a little uh, bar hopping up there, we went to Estes Park. Like Stacy started getting experiencing that and she couldn't handle her alcohol well and she was like this is how you feel every time you drink i'm like yeah pretty much like oh my god this is 
this is insane. Like, this is amazing. You, you shouldn't be this drinking. This is so cheap. It's like, I'm the cheapest date ever. Yeah. Like, she's like, you it, shouldn't you're be not drinking. You're not going bar like hopping. Ever. You go bar hop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you bar hop once and then you're done. <laughs> so, like, a normal, like, gravity beer, you know, anywhere between like four and a half to, you know, six and a half percent or so, feels like you're drinking basically a glass of wine. So, it's a. Uh, good times but anyways so i'm glad so, you had fun so and the euphoria how long did it last the entire day into into your sl- sleep did you have just oh, vivid lasted, vivid dreams four to six hours easy um i didn't sleep so i haven't been sleeping great since coming back but i think it's because there's two hours right no i don't well yeah there's that and, and i'm sure that does affect things to some degree but also uh in colorado there was there were better shades, so I was sleeping in darkness more. Whereas my room here in Florida doesn't have the best shades, and I think uh, I've been just waking up with the light, so I probably need to get like blackout shades, so I can just because I I have no problem sleeping in. It's weird is the times where I've been able to where I could sleep in I don't, and that's you don't odd. have blackout shades now. No, really, but I managed to get by. So yeah, I guess that's. that's like I, I we maybe it's because I'm in my bedroom faces south. Oh yeah, so it's you like fucking just sun all day. Yeah, for sure. So for yeah, sure. we we had to get blackout curtains like the moment we moved in the house. So so when I uh, when I flew back, I you know one of the routine one of the things I typically do is download podcasts onto my onto my phone, um, so I can listen um, on a long uh, plane ride. So. I came across a very recent podcast that came out, or an episode, of the Sonny Brown Breakdown. Have you heard of Sonny Brown Breakdown? Yeah, I've seen his, um, I mean, his I've videos or his, his art yeah. and stuff, yeah. I mean, they're very reminiscent to me. I mean, you know, BJJ Scout's my, my jam. Sure. But yeah, Sonny Brown, but he does his a lot more frequently, right? I don't know about his YouTube content. I've only listened to his, some of his podcast episodes. I'm not episodes. listening to his podcast. So, he has, a, he has a podcast, and... I've listened. I mean, he had Preet on, so I made sure. I oh, listened really? To, nice. So I listened to Preet to make sure that was one of the the episodes I listened to to make sure that I didn't rehash stuff that had already mm, been covered. That yeah. way, because I'm sure people that follow Preet probably heard that podcast, and then they come on. If he comes on our podcast, we talk about the same things. It's like, well, shit, you know, more Speaking of the same. Of Preet, I found I was going through my SPG stuff, and I found the video that I'll have to. I'll, I'll, I'll have to okay, share with you. Yeah, like Preet. from like it, it's from like '06 or. Oh four, oh six of Preet. That's what, what belt is he? He's a black belt. I think. Oh, I'm right pretty on. certain he's a black belt. But, he, but it's like a coach's seminar. So I'm like, man, who is this asshole? Like, I'm like, <laughs> who God, is this, this Estonian is... with dry sense of humor. He's. De- I was like, man, like he's he's definitely the the personality that he projects now is definitely was a hundred percent there then. So that's pretty funny, actually. Did you see that one? Yeah, you sent me that video or that picture of his face yeah. just like mangled up. Yeah, That's getting cross-faced by, yeah, by Matt, Matt Thornton. Thornton. Take a shot, everybody. So, I uh, on his most recent episode at the time was with Craig Jones. Hmm. And Craig Jones post-moving to Puerto Rico. Oh, really? And Craig was extremely... Oh, I didn't know he did move to Puerto Rico. He is full-time DDS. Really? I didn't know, I didn't know that. And he was surprisingly transparent about um the move the rationale 
um, what's going on there and how they train. Hmm. So I highly recommend any of our listeners, definitely yourself, to check out that episode because Craig just kind of puts it out there. Um, Now, I'm sure there's probably more to every story, but Hmm. incredibly transparent. And And I don't know if the DDS guys are secretive, but I do think... I do think in their minds, they know they have a competitive advantage with what they're doing to some degree, and they're not in a rush to like talk about in black and white. They know the information is going to get disseminated eventually, yeah. and they're going to have to continue to evolve, and the gap between what they're doing and what other people are doing is going to lessen. Um, and that gap could be small anyway, but well, that's I'm not it. saying that yeah. they're like on this pedestal of doing things completely differently they certainly were a number of years ago when they were the only ones really doing leg locks and everyone was kind of in the dark but i think there's still some things and and what craig touched on suggested that to me that um you know they'll release instructionals and do things and and you know but i i think like let's put it this way i suspect whatever danaher is teaching right now Will be They're in. not rushing. Yeah it's, yeah, it's next year's or two years from now instruction. Oh, but. I mean, like, I've even heard, like, it, it, this is stealing from BJJ Scott a little bit, but he, at one point, uh, when he was doing his guard pass studies of uh, Damian Maya, of guard passing in MMA and how different it is, because he's like, he wanted to kind of like look at his meta and break it down. He found one little clip of Damian Maya talking about how he... He's like, yeah, there's some things I do and blah, blah, blah. And maybe when I'm done competing, I'll release a video about it. So this is not, you know. Not unique. Yeah, it's just, I mean, that's strategically, that's, that's smart, right? Like that's, that's what they do. So a um, couple highlights from that, from that podcast that are worth discussing. One, um, the rationale for leaving. This is not jujitsu. Well, it is jujitsu related because a lot of people right? are encountering this. I'm sorry. It's not po- jujitsu related, but it's politic. It's jujitsu politics, I'd imagine. Well, and just the environment. Um, so, the gym. They were training at Henzo's Academy. Henzo's is closed for much of the year because is of it COVID. still on lockdown up there? No, they're open now. Oh, they are okay. At least according to Craig, they were. And you look so uncomfortable right now, huh? You should probably just sit up. Uh, I'm actually okay. Really? I'm actually okay. Your Um, spine is out of alignment. I'm doing, I'm doing a spinal twist. I'm good. So I, uh, so Craig said that, uh, they obviously they're in lockdown. So at that point he said, well, we were just coming in the back door and training and there's no big deal because it's behind closed doors. Right. So that wasn't an issue. Once the gym opened, they could only do um, like pods or something or some sort of. Yeah, well, that that's what was advertised, right? Like for the regular classes, people had to be uh, classes. I think there were limited class sizes. So the pro team, which would be Craig, Gordon, those guys, it's just yeah, called the pro like the, team. The DDS. Yeah, the DDS. Of. Those guys there was getting friction between them and the gym because the gym is trying to follow COVID policies and keep, you know, oh, its wow. members. They go into the, he, that's exactly very transparent. And, and, and their, you know, and their members, you know, adhere to the, the, 
the COVID policies for their members so that these guys would have an hour and then they'd get kicked out. So they didn't have as much flexibility in what they were able to do. Plus, Craig made the illusion that a lot of the pro guys don't pay. So Henzo's Academy is like, we have to service our paying customers, not the pro guys that don't pay. Right. Which is eerily similar to every what gym. we hear about pro MMA fighters in yeah, Orlando. That's every gym. So I guess I just have to compete a little more and then everything should come to me for free. Is that work? So where do I get a pro card? I need to I need to make a laminated pro jujitsu. It's all a matter of adding value, Noah. That's, <laughs> so that's the anyway, because um, he said Gordon started talking to Gordon flew to Puerto Rico to see Mo the head of ADCC, because okay. Mo has a house in Puerto Rico. <laughs> and they were talking separate business, and then Gordon came back and started convincing John that they need to move. And Craig said, John, I don't think would have ever considered moving, except this um, awkwardness arose once the Henzo's gym opened, and there was this... And I, I don't know if it was, I, I'm not, he, see, now, now I, I, I'm not going to suggest it's political friction, but there's just friction. Of course. You I know, mean. so that's kind of, and he'll go into more detail, but that's sort of why they end up going down there. And this guy, Mo, has a house there and has been living there, so they're not going in there without... Um, an ally yeah, so that like has they, resources yeah, they have, and that's why they're down there. And then of course he's talking about, you know, the tax rate is a lot lower. So, you know, they're able to keep a lot more money and Gordon, obviously he didn't say this, but we know Gordon's always been bitching about the tax rate in New York yeah. and stuff. So how that place is a dump. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so they're in Puerto Rico now that's nugget. Number one, um, nugget number two, which I think is uh, really got me thinking and motivated to do stuff. And then I'll give you the follow-up with, you know, because I had discussions with Paul about this this past, this week, is how they train. Yeah, that's a, that I was going to say. They always talk about what they train in their instructionals. They never show how they train. Exactly. He talks about how they train. One, Craig said that for the most part, everyone grapples the same way. We all have the same games. He's like, which is markedly different from, you know, if you go to Atos, he's like, you know, and he used the example of Kynan Duarte and Lucas Barboza. He's like, those two guys, they do completely different things. This is Craig saying this. This is Craig. Whereas at our school, we all pretty much do the same thing. Now we have our own flourishes and stuff, but we do the same thing, which to me is contradictory to what, John Danher says, which is like, I teach the exact same fundamentals and enforce that, but then I let the advanced student develop their own thing. It, in my mind, the fundamentals stopped a little earlier. <laughs> I guess in reality, <laughs> the fundamentals go a little farther. And he said, but it has this weird benefit of if somebody on the team loses, everyone gets an upgrade to their game because they're all doing the same thing. Right. So it's like if, if one opponent exposes an issue in a single match with Nikki Ryan or Nikki Rod or Gordon. Yeah. The entire team like upgrades their software, so to yeah, speak. That's it's like a patch. Because it's like everyone upgrade. We need a, we have a we have to fix this defect in all our games. The, I mean like 
that's unsurprising because just the if you listen to the language that John Danher uses, he uses very precise language when he speaks. First off, correct. And if you always hear him talk, he talks about high percentage moves that you can execute against resisting opponents at basically a competitive or elite level, right? And at that level, how much do you really see, right? You see a couple of people do, but it's, it's almost who executes the basics the best. And that's what John teaches, right? Like, even if you, if you hear Gordon talk about it, like, you ever watch Gordon Grapple? He's actually not particularly explosive. He doesn't, you know, he's definitely not an attribute-based grappler, even though he has the attributes to back it up, right? But he's, he even talks about how you shouldn't have to be extremely athletic, extremely explosive, extremely blah, 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 to do our style of jujitsu. You know, he just happens to be all juiced up now and, and, you know, 220 pounds executing what he could do when he was 170 pounds. So like, that's, that's unsurprising that because they're technically what they do isn't super advanced strategically and heuristically, it's extremely advanced. So that's unsurprising because, I mean, jiu-jitsu is universal, right? Like, it should transcend all bodies, all shapes, all sizes, right? And just to play off of what kind of Preet talks about, yeah, our, there is a lot of, like, individual variation amongst people. But Preet said it. And uh, John Danaher kind of talks about it where like, for example, if you have a hard time like performing a triangle choke because you can't hollow your body out because your fucking belly's too big, don't mold your jujitsu around you having a big belly. You, you need to make your belly smaller, right? And Preet kind of talks about how if you, you, if you can't perform a proper squat, Interestingly, he's like, you, you won't have a good guard unless you can do a pr- perform a proper squat. Then you shouldn't try to mold jujitsu to fit your body. You should do what it takes to get a better squat, right? So you can have better guard retention. So is rubber guard something that everyone should be able to do and they should train their <laughs> flexibility? That might be, but that's the thing is. We'll talk how, to about that. I'm not sure how much of rubber guard is actually in their system anymore because it's evolved so much. I mean, the thing about rubber guard is I'm not saying it doesn't work, but it's definitely not. Oh, it's a hundred percent attribute based. I'm just talking about its prevalence. If you look at ADCC, if you look at Nogi worlds, the only people that seem to be using rubber guard are 10th planet practitioners. So I'm not saying it doesn't work. Yeah, but if it were that great, I'm pretty sure all these guys, many of which already have the flexibility because they just do jujitsu, would be adopting it into their games. Exactly right, because it's not high percentage. But Danaher, well, I'm sure Eddie Bravo is. He would argue otherwise, right? I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. I don't see. Here's the thing. I suspect the reasons why a majority of the grappling community at the high level has not adapted rubber guard. I have not explored rubber guard to any real significance. I under I just know a little bit about the position and you know, but I don't understand it. Yeah. So I I don't want to say I, I don't want to start to say why. I just suspect 
there have to be reasons why the global community of competitive grapplers and nogi haven't all flocked to it. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm curious too. I mean, like if you ask um, Ryan Ryan LaFrance, he'll he'll cite the example of uh, was it cream either was it Dr. J or somebody doing an underhand like grannying a ball in to make his free throws better, but the but societal pressure of just looking like a fool prevented but, but him does from doing rubber guard make you look like a fool no no but it's just different right like it's di- it's different than the norm it's, it's far possible. outside the norm i mean that's certainly a possibility but it's it's realistically i mean it, it doesn't make you look like a fool and it's not outside the norm it's just it's an extremely hot it's a system based around an extremely high guard right and i i, I don't know it why seems it seems to have more done. application in mma that's what he designed it for well, I know, but I mean, I, I that's but, actually yeah, something yeah, like I see people in MMA breaking down posture to prevent strikes. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, see that more commonly used in MMA in the close guard, like you said, to prevent their opponent from posturing and raining down punches. The um, but also, but it's it's also detrimental to modern MMA though because there are time limits and you know inactivity is not not that it's not the inact- old rule set problem. Yeah, so it's not a it's not a given the current game of MMA, it's not conducive to use rubber guard unless you're you know hyper attacking. Like Ben Saunders did, you he modified his to to his rubber guard. I forgot what he named it. It was like the Berserker guard or something. Ooh, uh, Berserker yeah. guard. Yeah, or Killeth guard. Kill, kill a bee guard. He uh, I, it's funny that he actually at one point. He was trying, he put a poll out when he was either going to be Berserk Ben Saunders, Killabee, and this other, I forgot what the third choice was, but everybody voted for Killabee. I thought Berserk was nice, but. So, um, the, the other oh, yeah, main yeah. point with Craig that was interesting, in addition to saying that they all have the, same, have game. the same game, so to speak, is how they train. And he probably, this is probably the, the thing he said was most different for him was that nobody gets injured, which is ironic because Nikki Ryan just got hurt. Oh, but, did it in training? Yeah. He said nobody gets hurt in training. John forbids arm bars. Forbids arm bars. Forbids finishing arm bars. So everyone is do that many trained. injuries happen from arm bars well what his point is is everyone is highly trained on and he said you know obviously when you go it's kind of common sense but how many gyms actually do it and he's like these guys take it to an extreme in terms of never hurting your opponent when training hmm and Imagine and that when you're, you know, he's like, you know how most gyms and this, this, I think, I mean, I immediately identified this. He's like, I think a lot of, a lot of, a lot of times, you know, you go and, and generally the etiquette is I've got you an arm bar. I fully extend it. I look at you. And if the guy doesn't do anything, then I'm going to put my hips into it and, and get you to tap. Right. That, that's the, that, that, and, and, I, no, look, no, and I, I know that's what happens. Too. That's what happens. It's the, like, I've got it fully extended. You, you give the look. And then you're like, I'm going to give you, a, you know, however patient I am, I'm going to give you a little time and then I'm going to, all right, I'm going to put my hips into it now. And he said that um, 
that doesn't happen. John doesn't allow you to do that. And as a result, everyone gets to work late escapes on everything and do it safely. And he's like, everything we do is situational. Really? Everything we do is situational. You know? And there's no timer. John Mm. just says stop. So, you know, we might be doing five minute or 10 minute round, but there's no timer. And he said, what that eliminates is people looking up at the timer and seeing there's 20 seconds left and saying, I'm I'm done. It's like, we're always doing jujitsu. And if you think about that over time, it adds up. How many, if you're like not grappling the final 10 seconds of every round you do, think about how much time now over a year wasted. Even, I mean, that's, if you have six rounds, that's a minute you're wasting, right? That's crazy. Correct. That's hmm. so it's very, uh, very specific. And I think now he didn't talk about intensity. I'm curious, like what his RPE is going to be for you. Rate of perceived exertion exertion would be when they're doing these things. But to me, it it opened a whole bunch of things. It, it, it obviously, I think, um, it makes sense. Um, so l- let me, I mean, this, this is a huge thing. So what was your thing. discussion with Paul about so, it? So, so this is a huge thing. So let me go into that. So it's a huge thing. The, the, the other thing is, and this is a realization I'm starting to have, and it just reinforced it, which is the other thing that this training method allows, especially allowing late escapes, is, and he used Gary Tony's example, this is Craig, is that it allows you as a grappler, if you're confident in bad positions because you practice them all the time, whether it's mount bottom, side control bottom, opening close guard, you yeah. know, have someone has you in Ashi, or late sub, you know, like late arm bar escapes and stuff, you suddenly... It's have, a level you, of confidence, right? You don't worry about taking risks anymore. You yeah. will take risks because you know you're confident you can get out if you, yeah. if you F up. He's like, look at Gary Tonin. Gary Tonin is probably 10 out of 10 when it comes to escapes, and that's why he's such an exciting grappler because he can take risks. Because he doesn't care. And he'll, he'll yeah, you know, like, if he gets himself into, into deep water. And I, and I thought about that. I was like, man, you know, like I've trained a lot in bad positions because I go with better guys and I get smashed. And, you know, right now I'm trying to work on passing. It's like, well, who cares if I F up passing? I'm just going to be in a situation I have the most experience in. Right. <laughs> right. So just like have, have fun, be aggressive. Don't be scared about messing up and take chances on top because... The worst that can happen is you go into a bad position, but you have you have experience to get out of that and trust that you're you're going to be able to yeah. get out of that. Whereas some people don't train that enough. Maybe it's because they're a bigger guy and they never got put on their back, or they're a wrestler and they never allowed themselves to get put on their back, and those defensive skills are underdeveloped. Or from an MMA standpoint, that's actually going back to Eddie Bravo. He's like if because Eddie Bravo originally, I, I think he had like aspirations for MMA or or wanted to bring jujitsu back to light MMA. And his whole thing was if you should be able to open up on strikes and not care because if you get taken down, then you can handle yourself or at least get back up. Right. Sure. And like just strategically, that's the, the fear is not there. So, so what ended up happening is I'm, I'm listening to this. I'm thinking, well, this is how I always trained in other sports when we when i was a baseball player we never played we never scrimmaged we never scrimmaged what does scrimmage mean just out of curiosity a scrimmage is um, sparring right a scrimmage would be a um 
uh, a, a game between two, a uh, an exhibition match between two teams. So it could be a scrimmage would be maybe you take you have enough players where half the players are on team A and half the players are on team oh, B I and see, you guys play, or you go and play another team. You know, you, you you're in you're in your town. You go to the town over and you play another team. There's nothing on the line. You're not in a league. You're not in a tournament. You're just just an exhibition match to practice. That doesn't them. happen a lot in traditional team sports, right? No, it doesn't. Yeah, because you're you're too busy training. It, it, yeah, and you're not training by playing the game. You're training by doing the skills within the game. So when I was a baseball player, what was it? You did fielding practice yeah. to work on defense. You did batting practice. You never played a game. You never sat out there and like, all right, let's go. Let's do an inning. Let's do another inning. When I played tennis, which was my major sport, we really played matches. It, the match took too long, you know, which is weird because I get, you know. Are you doing, situ- I mean, like you're doing situational sports. You're though. practicing techniques. So it would be very similar to Muay Thai in a way where you'd be like, you worked on your cross. You worked on your jab. You worked on your teep. You worked on your, your leg kick, but- you know. So, okay, go on, go on. And there would be situations where you'd be competing, but you would be using the entire skill set generally. It's appropriately setting up the game, right? It's, it's situational. I'd be, yeah. you know, or you'd be just drilling. Like you, a lot of it's just repetition to develop consistency when it comes to tennis because obviously if you miss, you lose the point. So if you don't miss, if you never miss, you're going to win every, po- every time. Yeah. So it's almost like shooting free throws. It's it, tennis is like, in a weird way, I would equivalent uh, uh, equate it to a game of making successive free throws. If you can just keep making free throws, you'll never lose. If right. you can keep hitting the ball over the net and into the court, you'll you'll never lose. Right. I right. mean, you just the the guy would have to beat. It just most of the time a tennis point is lost because the other person misses, not because you hit such a good shot they couldn't reach the ball. Let's just put it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, point being, why is it when we're done drilling, we're like, all right, let's just go live? Because why are because we not rolling situation? Exactly. Because people don't want to work. We can, we can go yeah, into that. Yeah, so, wait, that's. <laughs> point being, I was like, God dang, man, we, we, I got to do this. So I came, I talked to Paul. I said, hey, how, what do you think about, what do you think the reaction would be if there was a drilling class? And I just outlined basically what they were doing. Like, we do 10 minutes of, you know, escaping back mount. We do 10 minutes of escaping close guard. We do 10, just, just like that. I was like, do you think there'd be enough people or do you think nobody would go to the class? Because it'd be like Justin. Because I, whenever I think of the counter example, I think of Justin. Justin comes because he wants to get his five rounds in beating people up. I, and what he said was, maybe if we did it as a special thing once a month or twice a month, we could get some... Some traction, but he said, I think week in, week out, nobody does that. Are you, you, do you really think so? That's what he said. And I, I told him, I was like, because I'm like, all I'm asking is we do a class just like you do MMA class. You guys don't spar in MMA. He's like, of course not. It's like everything we do in MMA exactly. situation. We do wall work. Why we do situation? grappling work. We do. And that's just it. Like, I, I dis- see, that's where I disagree with him, actually. I mean, like, because it, 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 I, I talk with Felix about this, right? Like, shout out to Felix. Rolling Parker. Is this, is his name Felix Parker? I don't know. I'm sorry. I you know how the I have to check it's the belt. It's all online. I'll, I don't I'll, have his birth certificate. I'll check the uh, the belt checker cuz I I he he friended me on there and I verified him. And my my uh my point and this is where that that back scratching game comes into play, right? Like the sort of circle jerk of of the belt checker. 
do I actually roll? No, Felix, I've never rolled in a day in my life, but he's a very intelligent conversation and, and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, he, he kind of asked me how I run my classes and stuff. And, and like, I'm, I'm a big, strong believer in situational sparring. And I just realized the mistakes I've been making as an instructor. And it occurred to me in my mixed class, cause I do the 6am where it's like high belts and low belts. And, you know, I, I, I perhaps give students oftentimes too much credit. Um, and I'm not setting up the situational sparring as properly as I should have, because I, I put too much onus on the student to continue doing what they're doing at a hundred percent, uh, resistance instead of just rolling. Right. Because I've always thought of jujitsu and and working micro techniques as like progressive resistance. You do it at first, you learn it, no resistance. You give a false positive, as Preet puts it, right? And then as the reps go on, each partner can tell that they're doing a little bit better. And maybe that's something that you just learn over time, is that you give them a little bit more of a realistic look. And by the time you start situational sparring, you're no, you're not giving them any, or you're giving them 100% resistance rather but you're giving them a hundred percent resistance in the situation you're working, not we're working a closed guard, passing closed guard. And the dude suddenly pops to fucking butterfly guard and stands up, you know, like that, like it, it occurred to me that you have to set up the situations properly and say like, you're not allowed to pass. You can work to pass, but only on your knees, you know, and th- that sort of thing. But I, I don't feel as though like my students, for example, of course everyone wants to roll, but because it's still competitive and it's still high intensity, I think students still enjoy it. I mean, Paul's opinion was that it would be similar to a wrestling class where it's just the numbers might be good initially, but they would dwindle over time. And I'm currently kind of of the same opinion just based on what really I've seen so? here with this gym. I think it's I think it's right now the what we have in terms of um, the makeup of our student population. Like this, you know, their students. There we have probably more casual students that train two to three days a week, and when they come in two to three days a week, they want to get their rounds in. Whereas someone that is training five to six days a week, they're getting enough rounds. I mean, they, they, their mat time's there, so they, so they almost want to break Getting it their rounds in, when, so when, just define getting their rounds in a little bit. Getting their rounds in is getting to go five minutes with someone, doing whatever they want, and looking to get submissions so they feel good about getting a sub on someone. You don't feel as though, just the situation you described, let's say, uh, we're working Do you with think Justin guards. is trying to improve butterfly guard if we're doing butterfly guard? Or do you think Justin wants to get out there and just hit a Doris on people? Well, I mean, I, it's and I know very, Justin very is, an, is an extreme, and I love Justin to death. I think he's an extreme, but I think there are an, I think there are plenty of people that are more on that side of the spectrum than the side of I want to get better at my so, spider guard. Okay, suite. let's let's compare this to I never actually took one, so I can't speak for it. But for a short amount of time there. Uh, on the schedule, there was the competition class. Tell me how that and was that, structured. And that thing died off fast. Did it? Or or was it just killed? 
No. At the beginning, at the beginning they were like 16 people in the class, and by the end, they were like four to six. But and and what, I, I don't know the structure of the class, so tell me tell me how that class went. Was it all situational sparring, or was it all? Yeah, it was all situational sparring, and it was also much more grueling and demanding physically. Well, I mean, situational sparring should be grueling and demanding, right? Yeah, so, but I mean, it was just like, like no rest and takedown. It was like a minute of takedown rounds, a minute of you know um, guard passing. Yeah, it was situational. Okay. So that's the, then I guess that's the answer. I mean, yeah. it was great. It, at, the novelty of it was cool. And, you know, everyone came and they're like, oh, competitive, you know, I'm this. But then do you actually want to stick with it? Do you want to work hard? I, the funny thing is, my what I'm proposing, you don't even have to be up-tempo. You just have to be willing to... You just have to be willing to, to not to... To have the to, discipline. To put in the right? reps at yeah. practicing different skills. And I'm not even telling you to practice spider guard or, or butterfly. I'm basically just getting reps in at fundamental positions so you get better at getting out of them, you know, and you get better at finishing from. So when you get on someone's back, you don't let them out and you finish them. Or if you get someone gets on your back, you wriggle out. Like those two skills can never stop being developed and honed, yeah, yeah. in my opinion. Like I can continue to get better at escaping the back and that's hugely valuable. I can continue to work on getting on the back, controlling it, and finishing, and that's hugely valuable. What does Gordon always brag about? I have the highest finishing rate when I get on someone's back in ADCC rule set. I finish 80% or 80-plus percent yeah. of the people. I mean, that that is what it is. I mean, there, that's... Because he spent so much time on people's backs who are actively defending him. So, so... I mean, so I just don't see how, do you think that would really drive students away from wanting to train that way? Like, I, I, I can't with, see with how. With the student population we have, yes. I don't think so, man. You really think so? I, 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 think, I think a large part of that stuff is how it's sold. Uh, I mean, every cl- uh, part of every class success is how it's sold. And how it's presented, 100%. But if the person has the option of going to Randori, going to this class, or going to a traditional technique well, then, class, then, this then, is the okay, last Okay, so let list. me ask you then, why isn't Randori on Friday the fucking most packed class for Jiu-Jitsu? Because it's on a Friday? Mm, I mean, Friday and, and also Friday the fact that the middle time of the day, it's at 11. Too, right? Uh, is you there know, not Randori at six o'clock? Anymore? Yeah, I don't know how many people come to that. Yeah, well, I don't. I now, but now you're influencing another variable, which is who's who's running the class. Okay, so I, I you know, so we have which to, is an, which is another issue. Yeah, we have to figure out the like we have to find the control and then like. But I know that like I mean, Paul was teaching the competitive class a lot. There were times where he didn't. Um, but most of the time, Paul's one teaching, and the numbers did go down. The numbers did dip when another instructor taught it, but that always happens. Yeah. So ultimately, this all boils I mean, you could down probably to try, you could probably put Marcelo Garcia out there instead of Paul, and there'd be less people. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, just I mean, personality <laughs> matters, right? Um, personality and connection matters. Marcelo so this might sort bring of, a uh, bunch of people from outside the school in, but in terms of inside yeah. school, like, this oh, all goes back to I mean, Paul talked about it a long time ago when he was on the podcast, which we'll have to somehow get him back on here at some point. For episode one hundred. I'll I'll tap I'll 
I'll, I'll get that handle of Tito's. Um, people just don't want to train. People want to roll, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, and I was talking to David about this dynamic. The other thing that's shitty is like, if you're on a, I train almost every day thing, there's a way you want to fluctuate your intensity. The people that train twice a week, they're going to go fucking ape shit those two days because those are their only two days. And they should go ape shit. Have fun. The problem is they're all mixed in. Like both of us are mixed in and we have two different archetypes. And what ends up happening is the five to six day a week people end up having to train hard every day because a lot of their rounds are with people that are going super hard because it's their only or one of two days that they're training hard. So it's weird. It's like, I'm not advocating a segregation of students, but it just creates an interesting dynamic where the way people want to approach training is vastly different, strictly because one group is training a certain amount a week, a certain one, one group has a certain amount of mat hours per week and another group has a lot more. And it's just, it creates an interesting and uneven dynamic. You know, if everyone was training six, seven days a week, we'd all be on the same sort of like, I don't want to train hard every day. I want to like, but if I'm going with a guy, if I'm going with Orlando food critic and he's been around sampling food everywhere, shout out to Orlando food critic, the best food critic in Orlando, oh, yeah. ladies and so gentlemen, best at Orlando food critic. Ryan is the man. Ryan's awesome. So check him out on Instagram at Orlando food. Critic. My friend who's a, a classically trained chef is like, man, like that guy's like really like, I, I love watching. Yeah. Him. Yeah. He's, he's great. I mean, he's out doing his thing, tasting food, but he also when, can do it when he comes in. Yeah. He, he's a good cook. He when he comes it. in, he wants to go hard to burn all those calories. He's been eating, man. He didn't like my he, Muay Thai class. You know, he so fucking hated that shit. Oh, <laughs> when I taught that day, <laughs> tell me about this. I was, I wasn't allowing water breaks. I was having us do 10 pushups between each round. And so, oh man, he fucking hated that. Like I had everybody sitting down in the corner except Juan Candela. That dude, that, that dude is a, he's a machine. Um, but yeah, yeah. Juan just wants to, or not Juan, uh, Ryan just wants to come and just let me, bur- needs, just let me bang, bro. He needs to burn his calories. Bro. <laughs> so, but you can burn your calories drilling and doing situational. It's grueling and it's terrible. It's not as fun, I mean, but you'll that, get your fucking reps. And in. I think the other component is, you know, for a lot of people, especially the record. And I, you know, look, I, I, it's part of me too. It's part of the competitive. I mean, I'm not a competitor. I'm, I'm not a full time competitive grappler like the DDS guys. That's not my profession. But those guys understand what winning is and what it takes to win. Meaning, yes. winning is winning ADCC. Winning is not. I caught my training partner today. And plus, I mean, and I, how you yeah, get yeah. how you win ADCC is you practice again and again and again, and you allow your you make yourself vulnerable and you trust your partner. And subs and stuff don't really matter; it's skill development that matters. Whereas, but I'm I'm sure they're guilty of it too. I'm guilty of it, and I think the biggest ones that are guilty of it are like our schizo white belts, where it's like all they care about when it's they suffering. come to class is. Did I sub someone? That's how I know I got yeah. better. And did I get subbed? Right. And that's winning. Winning is catching the person. Winning is not skill development. Winning is not the, the big picture of how do I develop this. And, and, you know, I'll use this as an example because David thought it was a great analogy. 
So maybe maybe other people will find it's a good analogy. To me, you know, people that are looking at jiu-jitsu long-term are like bodybuilders. They have an image of in their head of what they, you know, a bodybuilder in their head has an image of what they think the perfect body is. And every day they go to the gym working out to try and achieve that image. So it's like, I, you know, I think uh, the perfect body is bigger delts, nice traps, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, like and then this, they go and they do exercises. Platonic, yeah. yeah. You know, they're sculptors using their own body and hard work to sculpt their bodies in the way that they think is most aesthetically pleasing. We can talk about body dysmorphia and what's going on in their heads. That's a separate topic, right? Is but jujitsu, I think, is similar in the sense that we have a. We think we, I think we all have an idea of what beautiful jujitsu is, what perfect jujitsu is, and what we do is we step onto the mat trying to get closer to that goal of realizing that perfect game that blends, you know, Gary Tonin's escape. But I'm not Ryan's sure. Approach and Marcelo's artistic. You know what I mean? recreation. I think you're giving. The average. No, no, I'm not saying everybody has that. Okay, I'm, not, I'm, no, no, I'm no, saying no. like that's. I'm you're saying, giving them a lot I'm more credit. The than, people that have a certain, the people, I think the people that train a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. that that you know, I'm not saying everyone that comes in. You know, I'm be curious. Does Orlando food critic think like that? My guess is, I would bet money. No, he just wants to you know snap some. You know, yeah, he, yeah. To, he wants to get a good exercise. He has fun. He hangs out with us. You know. Cooks us paella. God bless that paella was amazing. Mm. You know, must have been nice. Oh yeah, you missed that. <laughs> oh, that was was that the that was the garage dude. Another thing you missed because your garage door fell on your car. Oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> the fucking promotion. He brought paella <laughs> yeah. that day. Yeah, he, made, he, made, he cooked paella. Did Mark outside. say that he can do it better? <laughs> With Mark giving him tips. This is the way I used to do it. When he lived in, in Rusty in Galicia, <laughs> when Marfis lived in Galicia, <laughs> and he learned Gallego, <laughs> and he was fishing with the Salmoneros out there. Good eat. <laughs> this is how I like to do it. Um, Amen. Undefeated Mark Peace fight to win. Shout out to Mark Peace. Yeah, yeah. First, first tournament as a black belt or first so, competition. That's my. Anyway, that, that's my spiel. Like I, I think. I think there's a better way to do it, but it's something that, so is that probably can only happen in a competitive environment with competitive people that are on a team yeah. as opposed to paying customers that are coming to a gym for a service. This is what I want versus what you need, right? Like, And that's sort of also, I, I think it was Faraz who just posted a quote or something the other day. Actually, actually very well could have been Matt Thornton. About, he's like, if you think about Everybody talks about winning like it's a regular thing, right? Winning is, by definition, not the norm, right? Losing is the norm. There are only there are very very few winners. You know who talks like that? No, losers. No, but I'm saying like so. <laughs> what does it take? Win, bro. But what does it take? What does the winner? The winner has to do everything different or more or better than what the losers do. So you have to put in the extra hours. You have to do it, right? Because that's what, that's not what everybody else is doing. And I don't know how you separate, you know, something like a DDS from recreational jujitsu folks. I guess they did that. Right. And do you think this, do you think that sort of culture or that sort of situation happens at, most, if not all, gyms. What situation? 
like where there's a very serious group, competitive group. Well, I mean, so that's the other thing. Obviously, about, it wasn't a problem pre-COVID for I mean, the DDS guys. The other thing about DDS is, which is also kind of interesting, is that, that I mean, if they if it is true that they're not, I mean, they're not accepting people. Craig even said that he was. He said I was pretty. It was pretty. I mean, let's just say lucky. I was pretty lucky to to join. He said, I think I was able to get in because John has um, a huge amount of, uh, I guess, respect. What, what is it? What's the word? He, um, he has a, a huge fondness for people from the South Pacific. Him being from New Zealand. Oh, he's from New Zealand. Yeah. And he's from New Zealand. And Craig's from Australia. So yeah. he's like, anytime John hears an accent that indicates you're from that part of the world, he's going to come over and talk to you and engage you. And he's like, that's what I think happened with me because I end up training with these guys. I competed against them. And then one day they, I was at a, at a, at a Kasai or a fight to win or something. And they put me in the same locker room as those guys. And after I'd competed with them a few, you know, earlier They're in like, the oh, year, you should and it was kind of awkward, but then, you know, we kind of started talking and then I went and I started, I, you know, I visited and trained and I never really left. And, you know, they are strict about like, you know, we have guys for specific weight classes and we can't have too many, we can't have multiple right. people in the same weight class. So they're a closed group, you know, and they don't have any paying students per se right, right. now. So I don't know how John's making his. I mean, is John just like living off his instructionals and doing stuff? Is Mo with ADCC like funneling money to them for some reason? Which David brought up a good point. Isn't that kind of like That's a conflict, kind of, like, of, conflict interest? of interest? Yeah, right. Like you're you have it's like Roger. You're Goodell. providing a training environment for. It's like I'm the commissioner of the NFL, and but I also I'm, own a team. I'm, I'm going to also like yeah. I'm also like. <laughs> financially supporting one of the teams yeah like one team <laughs> yeah so it's like, <laughs> like hmm. i also make the rule set so if the team says i don't like this rule maybe i'll just change it yeah so I mean, I'd, I'd like to think that mo has more integrity than that yeah yeah I, i'm just saying like that's kind of interesting now i i do know that they're constructing a, a big facility uh on or next to a resort on the north coast of puerto rico mm-hmm. so i think there's a business that's idea new, that's being grown. That's the new uh, going to be the, the new destination. Mecca. The new destination for jujitsu travelers. So where you goodbye you don't even, San Diego. You don't even see. You know, you think you're going to get a class with John, and you don't. You get a class with like oh god, Craig D- Jones instead. <laughs> Jesus. DDS blue belt, which is probably a which black probably belt. a black belt. <laughs> yeah, otherwise the um that's, that's anyway the, the, um that's just you know I I just want to throw that in there in in terms of um you know how they are with it's 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 not like going to a gym it's a team yeah it's it's a team it's a team yeah there's a big difference (laughs) and plus like they're they're training with a very specific purpose if you were to ask i mean hell you ask us what why are you really training we we don't have an answer for you right like we love it Right, I mean that's I mean that's the, that's actually probably the best answer. Yeah, um, I love it. But like their training with very specific purpose in mind is because it's their profession. Correct. So, as such, they should treat it that way. And if that's what it takes for them to maintain their level of of 
eliteness, good for them, man. Like, that's awesome that they found an avenue to do that. So I wonder if it's going to be like Elon Musk leaving uh, San Diego or San, you know, the, the, the valley and moving to Texas. Is this the, uh, the beginning of an exodus to all these? Dude, Puerto Rico is, is over two hours away by plane from Orlando. My geography was so off. It's like, if you look at the Caribbean, it's like, you've got Florida, then you've got... It's not directly south of us. No, you've got Cuba, then you've got Haiti and the Dominican Republic, and then you've got Puerto Rico way out there, Yeah, it's it's further than we think it is. Yeah, so... But it's a cool destination, though. Yeah. And Craig said, like, he's got a three-bedroom. He's paying... What he's paying in a three-bedroom on the beach is the same as what he's paying for, like, a piece-of-shit apartment in New York. Right. So... Hey man, bro, them taxes, if, uh, they're going to yeah, kill if you. Paul ends up, you know, heading out West. I'm off to Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. You're not going to move to San Diego. I mean, San Diego's night. Puerto Rico's closer. So let's go this to Puerto Rico true. first. And cheaper. I mean, like, yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah. Way cheaper. Like, and you yeah. can train. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, you can train Florida, San Diego, or, but, or, but, but the point I, is, is the point is there's, there's going to be less COVID restrictions in Puerto Rico right. than in California. And plus, evidently, there's, they're just not dealing with having to ration out mat space and mat time for paying students. But I'll probably show up and they'll be like, who? They'll be like, I'm Noah John of VJJ <laughs> and Bruise. Who? I'm the, guy who said, I'm, I'm the guy who said Gordon Ryan is full of shit. <laughs> I'm sure Gordon will love that. <laughs> I thought about that. I was like, before I went out there, would I have to scrub that from the past five? Yeah, like, <laughs> like where's episode sixty-one in your in your series here? No, nah, nah, dude, it just why is the timestamp on this like? Why <laughs> is it jump from? Yeah, why is the timestamp like twenty, like November twenty twenty, December twenty twenty, and then the next one? It's like <laughs> it's like five months in the future, and then we go back and time. Like what? The uh... why was this file created yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I thought I'll check that out. That's that's always been the thing for me. And actually, I'd, I'd kind of mentioned that with in my um my very lengthy conversations with Felix is you know they always talk about we're we're we're, we're as a community trying to find the best way to train right. And he actually he presents a very unique um differences between like American Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and the way like they've had to discover it over there, right? Like a large part of what he kind of talked about is because he's a teacher is because jujitsu there is done like on a club level without like a black belt. And here we have the sort of not so much here at our gym, but a lot of the jujitsu community in general of the commercialization and molding and using traditional martial arts schools as the framework for how to set up a jujitsu gym. And he, they don't have that over there, right? Because they have a big judo culture where it's a lot of judo clubs. And profit is not a major uh, incentive for people to run jiu-jitsu gyms. Also, we're kind of spoiled in the fact that... We have like a billion. Probably, you know, black belt per capita in the U.S. is probably pretty high compared to countries in Europe, I would think. Yes. I don't have the stats, but I would think. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, he, he was talking about how he had to... Like, they were... Under he, like he was, I'd have to. He had a pretty lengthy uh, journey as well. He's been training for quite a bit of time, but who he got his blue belt under is not who he got his purple belt under. And like the guy who's like vouching for them, 
now you know they had to find another black belt and that sort of thing and it's it's a it's a crazy thing that you have to i understand jujitsu and the, the quote purity of jujitsu definitely requires a certain amount of like quality control i understand that right but i think if there's one thing that we can uh take away from the development of jujitsu as an art as a style as a system is that look at how well Lachlan and Craig Jones did with what resources they had, right? And granted, they're like an Atos-affiliated gym and whatnot, but like a large part of, I feel, uh, when you take, when you strip away the traditionalism of, and it's it's crazy to even mention that, you know, traditional aspects of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because it's such a contemporary martial art, in my opinion, as compared to a lot of the... Uh, the more ancient, if you want to call it that, Eastern martial arts is that it's very pragmatic and very just the fact that it's it's stuck to its idea of it's like speaking Spanish, right? You can either do jiu-jitsu or you can't, just as you can either speak Spanish or you can't, right? But how it's sort of had to come into its own genesis outside of the U.S. and outside of Brazil with very limited resources is that like i think that's like the purity of the martial art and and it forces the creativity and you're not locked into a certain way of teaching and a certain way of learning so like felix has been able to apply a lot of his uh the skills that he's learned as a teacher in how he runs his classes and how he feels as though to to keep his students motivated to keep them learning properly and and uh he kind of falls in line with preet of talk less, do more, you know, like my job is to not tell you how much I know, but it's to give you tidbits of information and you experience it and experiment on your own until you discover it. So that's kind of a cool thing. I, I, I think, um, I, I, I don't know enough about Craig Jones and Lachlan and that the, the gym culture down there, but I would imagine Lachlan, especially being a physiotherapist, right? Or, uh, uh is he, a, he's a physio, Dr. Physis. Physical therapy? I don't call off the top of my head, but he he definitely he's he has a, a PhD of, and yeah he's a doctor yeah some sort of so he's very like kinesthetically aware correct um has allowed him to deconstruct things and reverse engineer things and that sort of thing and apply like basically just approaching jujitsu from a different framework is you know so as we put a bow on this episode. Because we are out of time. Are we? We have to train. Uh, I do yeah. want to say, I didn't mention the most important part of Craig Jones's podcast. So guys, again, I recommend you check it out. Sunny Brown Breakdown. Is it the latest episode, basically? Or I'm sorry? Is it the latest episode, or is it just like Yeah, no, it's or? the latest. Okay, I'll have to check I it mean, out. I mean, if it was in the past, he wouldn't have been in Puerto Rico yet or anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, good call. So, if you recall, <clears throat> remember when Craig came to Fusion? And we yeah. talked about that here in, in Orlando. And I was like, man, dude, Craig has it rough. Every gym he goes to, everyone's going to try and kill him to get, get a scalp. That guy, I got Craig right, right. Jones, right? Notch on my belt. Yeah, and, and we talked about that and you know, how much truth there is in that and you know whatever. Well, part of their discussion was talking about how he's done in the past these insanely dense um, seminar tours. Yeah, where yeah. like every day he's visiting a new school. In fact, he's got a seminar thing coming up uh, this year. 
And he said, he's like, oh, yeah, and it's tough because, you know, I, I used to roll with everybody and everyone's trying to, you know, take your head off and stuff. And I think, I don't know how it came up, but, he's, but he said, but I, I, I discovered the secret to handling that. He's like, if someone taps you, I make sure I let them tap me two or three more times. Because if, if someone taps me once, they can think, oh, I got them. But if they uh, tap me three times in a round, they're like, oh, he gave me all these subs. Uh, <laughs> that's He's like, like that's, that's how you keep your actually. ego. He's like, that's how you keep your ego intact. In <laughs> 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 so there, there's your black belt, high level black belt tip of the. That's funny. <laughs> tip from the top. If they tap you. Give them a few more taps. Then they think that you gave them everything. <laughs> Give them everything. They didn't yeah. earn any of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> anyway, guys. Um, We're back. Before we close yeah. down, shut, uh, check out our sponsor again, Crown Rash Guards. They've been supporting us for 10 episodes. They're a phenomenal sponsor. If you're looking for a durable rash guard that's got that vibranium look from Black Panther, check them out. It's www.crownrashguards.com. Use our promo code BRUISE. To get 20% off your next order, you can also find them on Instagram and Facebook at Crown yeah. Rash Guard. They make your triceps 400% bigger. <laughs> According so. to Chris. So um, that's what, Schmedium? The old Schmedium. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> I'm on to you. And fish, a little bit of fisheye lens going on there. <laughs> anyway, Chris, so it was great to finally sit down yeah, and talk man. to you again. It's been a We've few been weeks. trying a couple times this week. And um, we're going to try and get Are you all caught up now? I'm sorry? Are you all caught up, though? I am. Good, good, good. good. All right, so it'll be back to regular. I'll see you on Monday, too. All right, sounds good. Later, brother. Hey, yo.